Uh, I do want to uh, thank you for this three weeks. It's been uh, very uh, meaningful to me. Um, and uh, I want to thank you, uh, like the children's service this morning, for this church, um, for the way you take care of your pastors, uh, for the way you take care of each other, and the way you've taken care of my children. It's, uh, it's feels good to say I'm thankful for all that this morning, and I really want to uh, thank you for the opportunity. Um, so we, uh, we wrap up today with the third uh, sermon from Jonah, and this is actually the one I started with and worked my way backwards. This was when I first talked to Brian and Micah, the passage that I was most interested in, in dealing with, so we'll see where that goes. Um, so uh, we start today in chapter 3 uh, of, of Jonah, which if you're trying to find your Bible, it's not real easy. It's sandwiched there in all these little prophets, um, but it's great because you can read it in like eight minutes, so you can tell someone you read a book of the Bible today. Um, so if you want to catch up from the first two chapters, um, you can do that. But we're going to start today in Jonah chapter 3, so listen for God's word today. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne and removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you? To be angry. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh, great God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these precious hearts be acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So after two weeks, today we're right back where we started. We're right back to Jonah still needing to go to Nineveh, which is all that we thought we'd already dealt with. And you kind of feel like it's not going to end well. 
Like, this isn't going to go very well. It's kind of like some of us are thinking about Thanksgiving this week. Because we know we got houses to go to. And I got my aunt I really want to see. And I got my uncle I really don't want to see. You know what I'm talking about? Because you know how the conversation is going to go. You know, the one that wants to tell about how he knows everything about everything in politics and how I'm dumb and don't know anything about it. You got that person too. Right? Because I'm excited about Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday, mostly because I love turkey, but I love people. And thankfully, we're actually going to the other family this time, so I'm really excited. All right? But we all know that holidays are kind of like this story in that we go back to the same things again and hope it'll work out differently. And usually we know it's all going to turn out the same way it did the first time. But we get excited anyway. So God's excited and God tells, no, tells Jonah, all right, let's try this again. So Jonah goes. And it kind of reminds me when I think about the fact that, you know, we all have an aunt and an uncle or whatever family members, one that we, we can't wait to dote on us and the other one we can't wait to avoid whatever it is that they're going to have to tell us, that our relationship with God is not that much different. Because we're like, okay, God, I want to see where you are in this world. I want you to show up and help me out. But I don't need you to get out of your lane. Like, I need you to kind of stay in the space that I need you. Don't, don't make me go do some things that I don't really want to do. That's not your space for right now. I mean, that really is kind of how we are, especially if it means we have to change something. Because I always like to tell people, like, churches are about the worst at about wanting to change stuff, and, and all of us are that way. But those that don't like change like irrelevance even less usually, and it's kind of what God's kind of telling Jonah here is, you know, it's, it's time for you to get going. So this is where we find Jonah with God. Jonah is now on board with God saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm ready. I'm going to go do this thing you want me to do. But Jonah still clearly has a belief that there's a part of this story that he's afraid is going to come and end up just like it did with his uncle at the last Thanksgiving dinner. But he goes anyway. Now, I've tried to give Jonah a lot of grace as we've gone through this series. I mean, there's a lot of ways we could just judge Jonah for all he does, but I see a lot of myself in Jonah. There's a lot of, of grace I try to give. I mean, who could be envious of this task that God has called him to do? There's definitely no jealousy of what he's being asked to do. I've had moments in life that I have seen people get their just due, and honestly, there was nothing to really envy about it. You know, you kind of wait and hope, oh, that person's going to get theirs, and then when they do, it's like, man, that was disappointing. I thought I'd enjoy it a lot more. Watching enemies fall is not as fulfilling as the movies would have us believe. Jonah simply wants to have nothing to do with Nineveh, even if he was to somehow win. And all of us have some context that we can relate to Jonah. We all know what it's like to simply just want something to just go away. You know, if we just ignored it long enough, as long as if we're really hurt, we, we would be okay if, if God would just keep on loving us and and somehow make that stuff just go away and be removed. We wish that's how God worked. That's why we get upset. We're like, God, if you would just come on back and take care of these things so we don't have to deal with it, that'd be great. And it's sort of how we survive at times, and that's how we end up like Jonah, clinging to a boat, hoping that sometimes it might just go away. So whatever empathy or compassion I have for Jonah, it kind of goes away, though, after the whale. Like, I struggle a little bit more with him after the big fish because Jonah's tossed in the water. He's left to drown in the sea. He's left to die. And we even talked about how that's maybe what he wants. And I think, gosh, at that point, you'd think we would get it. You'd think at that point it'd be like, okay, I know that God's involved in this, but I guess we aren't any different than Jonah or any different than 
those Egyptians in the wilderness who decided, hey, I think slavery was better than you leaving us here. It doesn't take us long to forget what it was that God did for us. But God is not finished with Jonah. So Jonah swallowed up, he prays, he spit out on the dry land, he's saved and renewed, and now he does as God desires. Jonah goes to Nineveh and he declares, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now imagine if this was in a movie, it'd be pretty awesome. When he's going, I mean, I can see Jonah strutting around, Forty days more, I'm going to get you back. Forty days more, God's coming for you. I mean, can you, can you see Jonah walk around the city like we would? I mean, it's, it's that moment right before Ralphie finally sticks it to Scott Farkas in the Christmas story. See, I'm sticking with the theme here with the children's sermon. Okay? It's that moment like we want Ralphie to pound that guy. And it's just before Cinderella goes, but you see, I have the other slipper. That's, that's Jonah strutting around. Or if Jonah was cast as Inigo Montoya in Princess Bride, he says, Hello, my name is Jonah. You have sinned against my heavenly Father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Judgment for the bully is coming. Judgment for the abuser is coming. Judgment for the all-powerful one is coming. Jonah has finally completed this task that he did not want to take, and now he is going to see Nineveh fall. Now he is going to be the one to reveal that everything he believed was true. Only there's this one big problem. Nineveh repents. I mean, the big bad bully in the movie, the big bad story, all right? Dolores Umbridge has had a change of heart. Nineveh repents. This is the uncommon storyline. It's the part that so easily gets ignored in this story most often. It seems that the bully lays down his nets and says, okay. I'll lament, I'll relent, I'm going to follow God. Nineveh chooses sackcloth and ashes. Nineveh begs for mercy. Nineveh prays. And Nineveh asks to be passed over. And the king leads their wailing, their kneeling, their begging. The king repents in sackcloth and ashes. It says he's just laying there in the ashes. We don't like this sequel. We don't like where Scott Farkas tells Ralphie he's sorry. We don't like that the wicked stepmother might get in line behind Cinderella to make her own way to the castle. We don't like that the six-fingered man might have chosen to beg for forgiveness. And that's the worst thing, the horror of what happens to Jonah. God exercises this great power and Jonah doesn't know a way back. After God chose Jonah, after God had saved Jonah, after Jonah did as God asked, God changes his mind. It's not in the script. God is supposed to destroy Nineveh, but God changes his mind. There's supposed to be a great calamity, but God doesn't do it. Vengeance does not come for Jonah or for any who had been victimized by Nineveh because Nineveh had been violent for a long time. It seems that God's grace extends to everyone, even the bully. And that sort of grace is intolerable to some. And it's particularly intolerable for Jonah. I mean, have you ever known the frustration of God's grace? When we talk about the goodness of God's grace. What about the frustration of God's grace? We love to speak of the joy, but what about the other side? 
What about grace when the grace goes to those we don't care all that much for? We all have our own Nineveh. There's a place in us that is ungracious. A place that we do not want to go to. A place that we do not want God to go to either. A place that makes us angry. A place that makes us question justice and life. And Jonah is in that grief. Jonah is living in the grief of saying, this is not the God I ordered. Jonah wants a calamity. Jonah is angry and Jonah does not want to accept this type of grace. Jonah does not want to live in a world where God forgives Nineveh. God loves all our enemies too. And God may swallow them up just as quickly as God swallows us up. Now we all have, have our bullies to deal with. Some in childhood, some as teenagers, some in adulthood. And maybe we are prone to being bullies at times as well. My bully in my teenage young years was named JB. JB was such a bad bully that I bribed another bully for two years for protection from him. I'm not kidding. I didn't have dessert at school for two years. Every day at lunch, I gave someone else my dessert to protect me from JB in fifth and sixth grade. To make matters worse, when it all came time to go to a new school, that kid went to another school, and in seventh grade, I was stuck with JB alone. So it was just me and JB, and as fate would have it, we had the same PE class and the same bus. Sometimes he just called me names. Sometimes he stole stuff from me. Sometimes he went with a classic wedgie. Or if I was lucky, just a good hard punch to the shoulder. I hated him. And I hated the seventh grade. I loved basketball season because I didn't have to ride the bus. I hated JB. Even as a professing, loving Christian going to church every Sunday in the seventh grade, I hated him. I think I even prayed for a calamity or 12 upon him. I even hated God at times because of JB and hated JB more that he made me feel that way. JB bullied me off and on from fourth grade until ninth grade and then slowly at some point he just faded out of my life and I don't remember when. I kind of just forgot about him. It was only before graduation that I heard that he had been arrested. And then somehow a few years later when I was 21, I got an email from a classmate that said that JB was dead. He had committed suicide in prison. And whatever hate I had for him died with that email. And instead of being angry like Jonah, that Nineveh had been saved, I was suddenly angry that JB had not been. Suddenly I wondered, was it something that I could have done that maybe would have made him understand the grace of God? Maybe there was something about that that I didn't understand well enough that I wasn't able to share, but maybe not. I don't know. I just know how I felt that day was that I was angry that JB had not been saved. I was angry about the grace he had never received. I was angry that he didn't have a boundful number of witnesses to tell him about being loved like I had. And I could hear that same voice Jonah heard coming from God as I got that email, Patrick, is it right 
for you to be angry. As human beings, we have every right and reason to be angry with the world. We live in a world where individuals and corporations abuse people. We live in a world where the lowly and unfairly are crushed. We live in a world where doing the right thing often goes unrewarded. And we might spend a whole lot of time being angry about it. I spend a lot of time being angry about it. But God says that we have to deal with our grief so that we can use whatever anger we have to do the things God calls us to do when there's injustice, when there's people who are hurting in the world, that that is where our anger is to be used. And that's where Jonah just doesn't seem to understand what it is to be God's child. As followers of Christ, God does not extend us the right to choose whom it is we love because we live for a world where God swallows up those left to die. We live for a world where our anger is only to be used against us injustice. We live for a world where we tell the bully to kiss our other cheek. We, like Jonah, may not have to like that world, but it is the world that God intended for us to share. Is it our right to be angry? It's not our right to carry out anger. It is our job to deposit it toward the work of God. There is no way to conditionally share God's love. We do not get to choose who we, when we follow or who we follow. We do not get to choose who God calls us to love. We do not get to choose where we are called. We do not get to choose how the story ends. God simply gives us the right to extend and respond to the invitation. If we choose to exercise our right to love God on our own terms, then the God whom we choose to serve is not Jesus. Jesus did not offer conditional grace or conditional love. Jesus offered us an opportunity to fish, a chance to get out of the boat and follow him wherever it is that he needs us to go. Follow me. We get that one choice. Follow me. And to be grateful to follow. Follow me out of the boat no matter how the, great the storm gets. Follow me even if it means extending grace to the one you don't want to love. Follow me and I will give you not only the strength to stand up, but also the courage to sit down in ashes when you mess up. Follow me even to Nineveh. For it is there that you will find my grace. And it is there where I will ask you to give it away. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen.